Praise the Lord, everyone. God bless you. Let's stand together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless us all here today as we look into his word. Let's all pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your blessings and your goodness, God. We thank you for the privilege to study the word. We ask you, Lord, to touch our lives and hearts, souls, spirit today. God, as we study the word of God, we ask you, Lord, to let it be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our pathway. We glorify you for all things. Bless this congregation today and this entire morning service. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Turn to your friend next to you, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name. Tell them they look nice. Praise the Lord. We're glad for all of you that are here. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with us to Romans chapter 12. And uh, I was not here last Sunday, as you well know, but the Sunday before, I'm going to pick up where we left off with that one. And I just want to say here that the book of Romans, as we've talked to you before, uh, has a lot to say about why it's possible we Gentiles can be saved. Uh, It talks about that part of the gospel, and uh, it's not so much of the admonitions of the gospel, Uh, and the word of God so much as it is the explaining how it's possible we Gentiles can be saved without having to go back under the law. And Paul did that because there were those, uh, those were Jewish Christians who were trying to tell Gentiles that they had to keep the law in order to be bona fide Christians uh, who became Christians that were, that, 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 even though they had not been under the law. So Paul explains why that was not necessary. And so he spends the first 11, the first, about the first 10 chapters on that. When you get to chapter 11, because he explained that the Jews lost what they had with God, even though they had the law, they lost out with God because they did not receive what, was, what had come to them through Jesus Christ by faith. And so therefore, he says that they lost out with the Lord where the Gentiles have stepped in to take the place of where the, where the Jews were. In other words, the, the Jews who were God's people lost their place as God's people. And the Gentiles who were not God's people, they have found their place in God as God's people, only if they're saved. And of course, that is all through faith and obedience to the word of God, of course, keeping the commandments, repentance, baptism, and so forth. But those are all acts of faith. In other words, I believe I'll do those things. So uh, he explains all of that. And so when you get to chapter 11, he says, though, what about the Jews, though? What's going to happen to them? So he explains then the future of the Jewish people. And he says, God hath not cast away his people. He's going to restore them. That was all up through chapter 11. When you get to chapter 12, he gets into what we call the admonitions of salvation. In other words, what we have to do to please God, to walk with the Lord, In other words, he brings it down to where we are today. We Gentiles who are now saved by the grace of God and uh, that through faith, by the grace of God through faith, and uh, that is our believing in him and uh, his grace that he died on Calvary and shed his blood that we might be saved and has extended the gospel unto we Gentiles. And then he says, goes on to say, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, this is chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on, and we talked about all of that two weeks ago. Last week, as I said, we were not here. Now, I want to pick up with where we left off 
or the last thing that I mentioned two weeks ago in chapter four, in verse four of chapter 12. Now, Paul is speaking about admonition. I'm going to talk to you about what he's telling the church now. Forget the thing about the Jews, how it's possible we could be saved. From here on out to the end of Romans, he gives the church admonition. In other words, what, what, how you should live, how you should walk with God, how you should treat each other. And this is all very much a part of walking with God. Uh, if the Lord said that in these two commandments are all the law and the prophets, and that is that. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, okay? He didn't say love your neighbor with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You do God that way. You love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Praise the Lord. And he's saying that in these two commandments are all the law and prophets are all wrapped up in that. So that if you keep those two commandments, you're doing what the law and the prophets is all about. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments deals with our relationship with God. You know, thou shalt not have no other God before thee, thou shalt serve him only, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Everything is our relationship with God. And then when you look in, in the fifth a commandment on through the tent, which is six of them, starting with honor your mother and your father, your, your parents, that your days may be long on the earth. That's the fifth commandment. From there on, it's our relationship with each other. And then thou shalt not kill, steal, bear false witness, on and on and on. And so all of these things are mentioned, praise the Lord, to give us an understanding here that we need to love God and then we need to treat each other well. And what Paul goes into here in this uh, 12th chapter and starting with the fourth verse on down is that he talks about admonitions on how we get along with each other and how we should treat each other and how we should look at each other and how we should be toward each other. Everybody with me? Now, I'm going to just repeat these, this fourth verse again. Look at verse four. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us through prophecy, let us prophesy according to the, por to, uh, to that, to the portion of faith. In other words, God gives us the faith of God to serve the, in the capacity of the gift that he has given us. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means it's without God changing his mind. Repentance means changing of your mind. And if it's without God changing his mind, God doesn't change his mind. And, and if, he, if he calls you for anything or gives you a gift, he knows what he's doing. So we have to trust God in all those things and follow the Lord in what he has gifted us and, and what he has called us into doing. So he said one's prophecy, another uh, verse 7 here, he said, Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhort exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. There are some people God has blessed to give, and they have the ability to acquire, and if they have that spirit to give, God will immensely bless them. Now, if you looked in your bulletin, I'm going to start a series on Wednesday night, um, for the next four weeks here where I'm going to be teaching. Along the way, I'm going to teach about the power that God can give any one of us to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. I'll talk to you later on about that. But I've got some good things coming up for you on Wednesday nights 
here starting this coming Wednesday. We'll talk about that in the morning service. But uh, it talks about this, uh, this thing about giving. Recently, there's a brother in this church. Uh, I don't think he's here today, but, uh, but, I, but, but I know for a fact about him. He's a big giver, and, he, you know, and he's given and given and always given, and things have been going a little bit tough for him. And uh, just recently, things opened up for him, and I mean, money is rolling into him like crazy. It's, it's all legal, it's all right, it's all above board, it's all honest. But he says, I'm so happy because I want to do more for the kingdom of God. And he will, he will. There are some others of you like that out there. I know you are. And this is what that's referring to. He says, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And he that ruleth with diligence, he that, that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So we all have gifts and abilities. Now, I want to enlarge on that a little bit before I go any further. If you go over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want you to look at 12.12 with me. And this is what Paul's talking about, that we are all one body, but we're all different members, meaning, meaning each one of us have different uh, contributions to the kingdom of God and to the body of Christ. Here's what he says in 12.12. For as the body is one and have many members, this is pretty well the same thing he says in Romans, only here in 1 Corinthians it's amplified somewhat. For as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And then verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Praise the Lord. So one person has one type gift, another has another type gift, another has another gift of whatever it might be. Uh, it's not by a different spirit. It's all by the same spirit of God. Praise God. It goes on to say here, and I'm just reading to save time, to verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. The body has many members. And then he goes on to talk about the foot and the, and the hand and the eye and so forth. And if you're an eye, you can't say, you know, I don't I need the foot. And if you're a, a hand, you don't say, well, I don't need the ear, you know, and so forth. And he goes on to talk about that through verse 17, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him, as it hath pleased God. So he gives us all abilities and talents and gifts. Verse 21 says, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. So that we all need each other. Do you understand what we're saying? And this is what Paul is telling the church. You see, some people can have a talent and they stand out. Other people said, you know, I wish I had a talent like that. If I had a talent like that, I could be a better blessing to the kingdom of God. No, no, you've got talent. Yours is in a different way. It is. And that's what the Bible tells us. Is the Bible wrong? No. The Bible's right. Right. We all have abilities and talents. Now, I, I admire people to get up here and play these instruments. I just admire them. You know, Brother Kevin and Sister Lisa, they get on that keyboard and they play that. What a blessing that is to, to the kingdom. Some of these folks can sing, and they are anointed when they sing. I mean, you can feel the anointing on them when they sing. I'm not going to name names because uh, somebody may get left out, and they say, why was I name? You know, but you know what I mean. They, are, they sing under the anointing. And everything God has given them that gift, the anointing and, and so forth. 
can be on singing as well as on preaching or teaching or talking and so forth. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that these are wonderful gifts, but we're not all musicians. If you want to find that out, let me go up here on the keyboard and start playing. <laughs> You'll find out. Well, what does Myers think he is? Where does, where does he come from? You know? And so I'm just saying that we all have different gifts. And then it goes on to say a very interesting thing uh, here in verse 22. It says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. More feeble. The ones that you don't think are very important. Amen. You, all of our older people, I want to tell you something. You are very valuable to the kingdom of God. Honestly, you are. Sometimes the older people think, oh, well, you know, in my youth, I could do this and do that. It, it's not all this. It's other things. It's knowledge. It's wisdom. It's counseling. It's a lot of things involved that everybody has their gift. And it goes on to say, and uh, look at verse 23. And those members of the body which they, we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. I used to have, when I was in Bible school in St. Paul, Minnesota, we're all students, you know, and uh, guys were all studying for the ministry and girls were all studying to get a minister. <laughs> you know, they, were, they were wanting to marry a young guy. You know, so the guys were looking at the girls saying, if I decide to get married, which one do I want to have for a preacher's wife? You know, my, my wife. You know, that's sort of the way it was in Bible school. Not, not totally, but I mean, it was there, you know, you know, young people. And, uh, and so my, our, our president used to say to us, he'd say, he'd say, if you're going to pick somebody, he said, don't pick whether they got a pretty nose or not. Do, do they have a pretty liver? <laughs> pretty liver. Well, you don't see the liver, you know, but he said, but you've got to have a good liver. What he's trying to say here is that's what the word of God is trying to say here. You've got to have the, the inward part. You don't even see them, you know. You've got to have some things that are good. So what I'm pointing out to you, the people that seem to be insignificant. You ought to come on a Monday night here to the prayer meeting. We've got some people that come here and pray. God bless some of you folks that know how to pray. It's maybe you're not up here singing and everybody's shouting and running the aisles, you know. Maybe you're not the one up here on the keyboard and we can all worship by the music we're in, you know. But you are praying and you know how to pray and you know how to touch the throne of God. I'm telling you, these things are vitally important to the kingdom of God. But if we're not careful, we can say, oh, that's an important position in God what I do is unimportant. No, no, no. Not according to the scripture here. And that's what Paul is trying to say. He says, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble. And then verse 23, these members of the body which we think to be less honorable, you know, upon these bestow more honorable. Some people have the ability to get out and knock on doors, invite people to church. They have that, in, they have that ability. They're not afraid of it, you know. One guy could be up here and he can, he can be maybe a great singer or musician or something and he could do good in service. You get him out on the street, they're knocking doors, he's scared to death. He's, he's just all shook up, you know. You understand what I'm trying to say here? We all have gifts and abilities. That's why the pastor once a year has a thing where we have, we try to find our place of ministry. Remember he does that? Place of ministry we have over in the fellowship hall in which all the different departments of the church uh, provides an opportunity for people to get involved. Uh, 
one of our brothers, uh, I see him out here Saturday trimming these plants and these flowers. He said, where's our brother that does that? Is he here? What? He may be in another class. Over here. Okay. Yes. Okay. Raise your hand. There he is. Yes, there he is. Praise the Lord. Always out here trimming and, and, and doing the plant works and all the things like that. And I'm just trying to tell you what that beautifies the church. And we, people drive by and say, it's not a nice church. We come to church, we say, oh, the church looks beautiful, you know. And it's all because he, we, he was making it look nice for the rest of us. But it's all a contribution to the kingdom of God. I still miss, I know some of you folks work hard at keeping the church clean. I still miss Leroy Burroughs. Leroy Burroughs died, you know, back in the spring of the year. God bless his sister Burroughs. He was a great guy. And Leroy was our janitor. He was the only guy we had. And he worked hard and he took care. I could say, Leroy, I need this or need that. He's, I'll take care of it. That was it. All I had to say was say it. And it was taken care of. It was a done deal. And I said to him more than one time, I said, Leroy, you keep us all looking good. <laughs> you keep us looking good around here. Amen. And he did. And you folks now who are working and doing those, and doing those things that he did, amen, to fill in where he was, where he, what he was doing, you keep us all looking good. I'm just trying to tell you here today that there is a ministry and a place for every one of us. Some of you ladies that are hostess out here, God bless you. You welcome people, you smile at them, you make them feel comfortable, they're happy that they're here. Uh, you, I could go on and on. You, you men that are ushers and the work that you do, it's not just walking down the aisle and receiving the offer and walking back. You do a lot of other things. I know you come early, turn on lights, turn on air conditioning. We come in here, oh, it feels wonderful in here. A hot July day or a hot August day. We come to church, man, it feels so good in here. Somebody came early and put it all on. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody is doing their contribution to the kingdom of God. And so Paul is trying to say, you can't say any of these is not important. They're all important in whatever way that they are. Uh, and he goes on to talk about it. Uh, he says in verse 25, I'm going to read this. This is, uh, I'm still in 1 Corinthians 12, that there should be no schisms in the body. In other words, little cliques and little gangs, little groups. There should be no schisms in the body but that the members should have the same care one of another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. In other words, if you go through things, we feel it too. And I, think, I thank God that this church is a church that can, somebody could be going through something and say, would you pray for me? And folks, when you say yes, do it. Don't just say yeah and then forget about it. But write it down, make a list on it, you know, uh, I remember some of the young men in our church grew up and they went into the military. And uh, I think most of them that I knew of then are out now. And their, mo their, their mothers asked me to pray for them. I said, I will. And I didn't just say, I will. I got their picture. I put it in my office. I had a place. And every time I prayed, I prayed for them that God would keep them safe over there in wherever they were, Afghanistan or and, and in the military, and that he'd bring them home safely. Praise the Lord. And so when we say that, let's do that. Amen. That we care one for another. Sometimes one is going through something today and you're not. And another time you're going through something, maybe that person is not. You see what I mean? 
we go through trials and tests, but we have to always remember to pray for those who have needs and to uphold their name, uphold their hands and to encourage them. Praise God. And the Bible teaches us to do that. So it says here, whether one member suffereth, they all members suffer with it. Uh, one member be honored, members rejoice with it. Verse 27, now are you the body of Christ and members in particular. And God, they goes on saying, God has said in the church, first apostles, second are prophets, third are the teachers. After that, miracles and gifts and healings and helps and governments and so forth. He said all these gifts, some of them are spiritual gifts, some are natural gifts that we have. But God wants us to use them to benefit the church overall. And this is why that the Lord has ordained all this to be. I want you to go with me now back to Romans chapter 12. And uh, I want you to look with me here in uh, verse 9. This is an area that we've not gone into yet, but this is the beginning of these dissertations that he gave, these admonitions that he gave us that we should do and how we should be and how we should act and so forth. Look at verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without dissimulation. That means without hypocrisy. Love must be sincere. Don't just pretend to show love. Actually love that individual. You understand what I'm saying? And it's teaching us here not to just act lovely, but to be genuinely have love for our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. Praise God. And the Bible teaches us that. I'm going to get into some things here because the Bible does. <laughs> I can only get into it because the Bible does. Look at, look at the next part of that. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Abhor that which is evil. In other words, folks, let me say this. Don't cuddle wickedness. Don't cuddle wickedness. Just despise wickedness. Wickedness God hates. Love the sinner, but don't love his sins. We must love the sinner. We must reach out to the sinner, to the unsaved. We've got to reach out to them. We've got to love them. But don't love the sins that he might be in. And the Bible says that we should abhor, abhor this evil and abhor this wickedness. I want you to look at Psalms 36.4 for a moment. This is a verse of scripture uh, that pretty well says the very same thing. Verse 36.4 of Psalms. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. They're speaking about a wick, wicked man. He deviseth wickedness upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Things that are evil, he doesn't abhor it. And the Lord found fault with that and said, that's not a very good thing that, that he's doing. And uh, over in the book of Revelation, there's another scripture over here that speaks about in, in 2.2. It talks about the Ephesian church. And it says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and I know thou canst not bear them which are evil. So I think that it is a responsibility of the church that we say, I don't like wickedness. I don't like evil. I put it from me. I don't want it around me. Hey, it comes through our television. When it does, shut it off. Am I getting through to anybody? There's something we don't have to sit there and take, look at. You know, this is nasty language stuff, you know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and try to judge you on all your, all your little details. 
But you know what I'm talking about, and the Bible says that. And some things I have to say, no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not where I am. That's not me. This is not, this is not of God. This is not Christian, you know. And so we say, you know, I just put that from me. Abhor. Abhor means to hate it, despise it, condemn it, get it from you. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. The Bible declares it. And then it goes on to say, cleave to that which is good. <clears throat> good things, hold fast to it, hold on to it. Let it always be with you, be, be in your possession. I'm going to read on down here through some of these uh, these admonitions here and I'm going to take a little time here on verse 14 look at verse 10 very quickly this is uh, 12 10 be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another preferring one another all right that's all in the scriptures and you know what it's not only in Romans it's also in Corinthians it's also in Ephesians it's also in Galatians it's also in Philippians because Paul never writes an epistle without taking time to do some admonitions to the church and telling them what we've got to do to be a good Christian. Everybody's still with me. Anybody mad at me? You're, you're looking at me. Okay, just hang in there with me. I'm in the book. You know that, okay? I'm in the book. Praise the Lord. If you're mad at me, I'm in the book. Praise God. All right, verse 11. It says, not slothful in business, all business matters, we should not be slothful. This says it right here. You know, be a good business manager of your personal affairs, all your affairs, all your business. Everything that you, this is not talking about a businessman. This is talking about a businessman and somebody who's just trying to live a life and, and get through life, you know. Trying to take, take care of their business and <clears throat> pay their bills, you know. I told somebody the other day, I said, I remember a time where I could hardly get my bills paid every week. I'd sit down and I'd figure it all out. Finally, I came to the place where I had a little bit extra. I could pay my bills, and then I could go beyond that. And then I said to myself, that was a happy day. I found what a pleasure it was to pay my bills. So this day, I still say it's a wonderful thing to be able to pay your bills. How many of you feel like that's true? Amen. Just be able to pay your bill, your light bill, your water bill, your electric bill. Uh, that's the light bill, I guess. Water bill, whatever, on and on. Uh, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. <clears throat> fervent in spirit. That means lively, fervent. Praise God. When you come to church, folks, let's worship God. Can I say that? When we have church, let's worship God. Some of you are so cool and collective during worship. No, no, no. Let's worship God. Fervent. It says fervent. You know what fervent means? That means lively and hot as a firecracker. Worship the Lord. <coughs> Don't be afraid to lift your hands and worship God. Don't be afraid to lift your hands. Amen. Did you know that's one of the first signs of really touching the, great, the throne of grace is lifting your hands. That's right. You notice people come down and pray. They want you to pray for them sometimes. People pray with them, and they're doing this. Don't hang your head down, and don't let your hands hang down. Lift up your head and raise them hands. And when you start doing that, and then you start talking to God, you will start feeling something. God will respect and honor that. Fervent in worship, fervent. Praise God. Let me move on here. Uh, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12, 
rejoicing in hope, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, because we all have tribulations from time to time. That's not the great tribulation. That's not speaking of that here. It's talking about that tribulation that we all go through from time to time, you know, whatever it might be, the tribulations that we all go through. <clears throat> it says here, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. That means consistent, being consistent in our prayer life. Praise God. If you can, can and I encourage you to do so, establish a regular time to pray. You'll be amazed at how it'll smooth out your life in your everyday walk with God. Amen. If it's in the evening, have it in the evening. If it's in the morning, have it in the morning. Whatever time is good for you. Some people get up before they go to work. They have a certain time they pray. Some people have a certain time in the evening that they set aside. Sometimes during the day, like for a housewife, she may set a certain time when everything, her husband's gone to work, kids are taking a nap, whatever. She has a time to pray. But have that time of personal devotion with the Lord, folks. Each one of us needs to have that. And if we will have that, God will honor us and bless us in more ways than we can ever imagine. Amen. Let me move on here. I want to touch on base on some things. And it goes on to say in verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, people who don't have, we have to give to them. We have to help them. Amen. People that are struggling, people that are going through some things. Amen. The Bible teaches us to be a giver. Amen. I'll talk more about that on down the road sometime. But I'm going to tell you what. God has already ordained his blessings upon those who will learn to be a giver. I'm telling you the truth. Well, we won't get into that right now. But I've got some great things to tell you about it. And then it goes on to say, given to hospitality. Amen. Always saying, you know, anything I can do, anything I can help. And so forth. Now look at verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Bless them that persecute you. Boy, that's tough. But this is what Jesus also taught, you know. Bless those that persecute you. And uh, it says curse not. Uh, look down in verse 17 of that same 12th chapter of Romans. Look down in verse 17. It says recompense to no man evil for evil. That's the same principle as, you know, bless but don't curse. Recompense to no man evil for evil. And I want to just point out to you here that Jesus taught this. Uh, if you go to Matthew 5 for just a moment, Matthew 5, verse 44. Actually, Paul is sort of referring to what Jesus himself taught. And he says in 544 of Matthew, But I say unto you, love your enemies... Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And so it's right here in the word of God. Luke also has the same thing. Luke's recording the same words that Jesus said what Matthew records. And it's all that we should, you know, pray for those who despitefully use us and that, that would treat us wrong and do us wrong. Uh, Abraham, the Lord called Abraham. Let me just refer to this verse of scriptures over in Genesis when the Lord first called him. And over in 12, uh, verse 2 and 3, when the Lord first called Abraham, he says, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee. Look at that. 
and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in these, all families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, anybody that blesses you, I will bless. Anybody that curses you, I will curse. And so the blessing was on Abraham. He passed it on to Isaac. Isaac passed it on to Jacob. Jacob was on to his 12 sons, which were the 12 tribes of Israel. You know. And it was all to the whole people of Israel. That's why whenever the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they were going through the wilderness, that Balaam that was hired by Balak, Balaam was a prophet of God, and Balak hired him to come and curse the people of God. And Balak stood over and saw all of Israel out there on a mountain or in a plain area, all in their tents and their tabernacle and everything all set up out there. And Balak stood up there and opened his mouth to curse the children of Israel on all could come out was a blessing. He tried it three times, three times, because Balak said, I'll give you a lot of money. And so Balak wanted a lot of money, and he tried three times to curse the, the children of Israel, and he could not, because, and he finally said, I cannot curse them because God has blessed them. I cannot curse what God has blessed. Every time he'd open his mouth to curse them, out would come a blessing. Can I just tell you, folks, there's a blessing upon the people of God. You have a blessing on you. That blessing that was on Israel, and the Bible even talks about us being sons of Abraham in that fashion. And we are, of course, in that sense of the word, we have that blessing upon us. You have a blessing upon you. That's why you don't have to curse anybody. You just be a blessing. You pronounce a blessing. You tell people, God bless you. Tell them that. Praise the Lord. Be a blessing to others and bless others. Never curse because you don't have to. Abraham didn't have that power to curse. God alone had that. That's why the Jews to this day were scattered in all the world. And the Lord said, if you will bless them, I will bless you. America is blessed because of the Jews in this country. I'm serious. I can give you a Bible for it. If you don't believe me, believe the Bible. But the Bible says wherever you go, a nation, a people, a town, a village, individuals, whoever they are, if they're a blessing to you, I will be a blessing to them. You want to be a blessing, praise the Lord. Just, just remember that you'll be a blessing to Israel. And America has been a blessing to the children of Israel. That is Jews who came to America. And America has become a great nation. It's, all, it's also our own righteousness in the sense that we've stri- we've stri- we've, we have strived to be a, a, a holy or good, or good nation, I should say, righteous nation. And then, of course, we treat the Jews fairly. And God has blessed us for that respect. I'm just saying here that the blessings of God are also on the people of God. It's on us. So therefore, there has, doesn't have to be any kind of bad mouth or anything like that. Of course, the blessing's on us. Uh, Brother uh, Baker, one of our brothers, returned missionary from Brazil. He was a missionary down in Brazil for a number of years. And uh, he told me this story personally. He said, Brother Myers, he says that one day I drove up to the church uh, there in his town. I don't, I don't remember what city he was in. I don't think it was Rio de Janeiro, but it was somewhere in the region. But he drove up to, the, to, the, uh, to that city or town, probably what, drove up to his church. And the church was like from here to that door. He opened his car door and he got out and he started walking toward the church. 
And when he did, he said a man came around him that he understood and knew by his costume apparel that he was a witch doctor. And the witch doctor, he realized, had been hired to put a curse on him. And as he was walking, that witch doctor began to circle him and do the voodoo stuff. Voodoo, 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 you know, chanting, dancing, and all that kind of stuff, feathers and all kind of stuff around him. And Brother Baker said, I just stopped right in my tracks. And he said, I closed my eyes, and this is what I said. And folks, don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget this. I closed my eyes, and I said, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Those two things. Now, when he told me, I already knew about those two powerful weapons the church has. I already knew about them. But when he told me, it confirmed it to me. He said, I begin to say, he began to say, uh, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I kept my eyes closed and I kept repeating that over and over and over. He said, I could feel the, you know, something like hair stand up on the back of your neck. And he said, then it all went away. Just, just as I began to repeat all those things, those things all went away. And he said, I went away and I kept repeating it. And he said, finally, the witch doctor quit. And he went back and he told somebody, I have no power over him. He has a greater power that is protecting him and I cannot pass or get through that. That's what you have in the Lord. Folks, that's why the Holy Ghost is very important. That's why the Holy Ghost is very important. That's the Spirit of God in us and it's more powerful than you realize. And now we live in a natural world, but there's also a spiritual world out there. And if we have the Spirit of God in us, which is the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, same thing. Holy Ghost is old English word for it. Uh, anyhow, we have the Holy Spirit in us. That Holy Spirit in us will give us that protection and that defense that we need to ward off all of those evils and all those evil things that come our way. So I'm just telling you here, praise God, to trust the Lord and always have his spirit in us. Therefore, bless and curse not. Don't even worry about it. Don't ever worry about it. Amen. And uh, just... Praise God. That's why they call blas- you know, blasphemy, you know, like cursing, what do you call it? Uh, bad language, you know, bis- bad language. They call that cursing because a lot of times you're, you're, you're trying to put a curse on somebody and say, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm not even going to try to try to say it. Let me move on here. And in verse 16, it says, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Oh, boy. Now. Don't be so high-minded. Always regard people who are of low estate. Don't try to always please of the upper people, the rich. You say, Brother Myers now, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the Bible says, uh, the poor you will have with you always. It says that in the Old Testament. And Jesus said it also in the New Testament. The poor you will have with you always. And... Uh, one brother said to me, Brother Myers, the Bible says you'll have the poor with he'll have the poor with us always. We'll have them with us. They say we'd be the poor, we'd have them with us. Okay. I was poor when I came to the Lord. I still am, I guess. You know, it depends. But if you were to go, any one of us go to a foreign country, you'd be rich. 
Oh, you're American. Oh, you're rich. You're rich. You know. You know. I'm serious. I'm serious. You, you folks have been overseas. You know that. They look at Americans as rich. I don't care how poor you are over here. You're rich over there. So I guess, you know, it's whatever poor and rich is in the minds of an individual here. <clears throat> but the Bible says here when in church, when somebody of a low estate comes in, don't uh, be arrogant, high-minded. Uh, I'm going to read a verse of scripture here out of James. Listen to what James says. My brethren, have not the faith of Jesus Christ, the Lord, with respect of persons. That's what James says. For if there come in unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile, vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. Gay clothing is the you know, jubilant clothing. And say unto him, sit thou here in good place, and say to the poor man, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool, excuse me. <coughs> are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? He goes on, this is James now talking. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? So what I'm pointing out to you, James talks about that. We should treat everybody alike. Everybody with me on that? I don't care whether rich or poor, everybody is treated alike, and the Bible teaches us that here in the, in the scriptures here. And, uh, and he goes on to say here, uh, verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, everybody, if you have tuned me out, tune me in right now. Everybody listening? Now, there is a scripture that is over in the book of Hebrews. Listen closely to me here. That says this. I'm reading here from Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness <clears throat> without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, that last phrase, without which no man shall see the Lord, <clears throat> if you don't have it, you're not going to see the Lord, is speaking of holiness. It's speaking of holiness. Some people will say, it says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man. You've got to follow peace with all men and be holy or you won't see the Lord. So you've got to follow peace with all men. That's what they're saying. That's not what this is saying in Hebrews. It says follow peace with all men. Okay, it's admonishing us to do that. And holiness, follow holiness without which no man should see the Lord. No man's going to see the Lord without holiness. And you, then somebody says, well, how do you know that's what it means? Because when I look over here in Romans, here's what he says about peace. This is verse 18 now, back in 12, 18 of Romans. If it be possible, as much as life in you live peaceably with all men. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't say that without peace with all men, that no man shall see the Lord. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. That's why I said make sure you get the thinking cap on here. Because what Paul is trying to say here, what Paul says here, and he also wrote Hebrews, what he says here in the 18th verse is that if try to get along with everybody you can, and I can say this to all of us, always try to get along with everybody. Peace is a wonderful thing. Try to get along with peace. Bend over backwards to get along with peace, in peace. Uh, 
But some people, it's almost impossible just to get along with. So if, if that's the case, just leave it with them. Just leave it with them. You say, no, 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 I got to have peace because I won't see the Lord. No, no, that verse is speaking of holiness over in the book of Hebrews. But here it tells us as much as we can do it, as much as possible that lie within us. Amen. And uh, now I'm going to read one other verse. I'm going to close. I've got about two, about two minutes here. Look at verse 20. Let me read 19 and 20. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. 19 it is. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And some things you just leave it in the hands of God, leave it in the hands of God. Verse 20, therefore, if, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Whoa, what's all that about? You know, <laughs> you know what it means is that in olden days, they didn't have matches and light fires. Everybody had to have a fire in their home. So they would borrow coals from their neighbors. And they'd say, my fire went out. So a lady would go next door, or a guy would sit next door, and he'd have a pan. And they had a cushion thing under it, and they'd put it on their head. And they'd say, would you give me some coals? And so if they were stingy with it, they said, I can only give you two of them because my fire's a little low, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to blah, 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 blah. Everything. I can only give you two coals of fire. So they put two little coals of fire on there. Then the guy's got to rush back home real fast, back to his house, down the street, wherever it is, without it going out and get his own little fire going. But if that neighbor is really going to be good to him, he'll heap coals of fire on his head. You understand what we're saying? And that was a blessing. That was a blessing. I'm going to close with this. And that was the way he was saying, be a blessing even to your enemies. Just go overboard. Go beyond what the call of duty. I uh, heard about a preacher one time. A lady went in and said, uh, Pastor, my uh, husband has been drinking. And he comes home and he's mean to me. And I just can't stand it anymore. I don't know. I'm thinking about a divorce. I'm just, what shall I do? I, he's, he, gets, he drinks, gets drunk, come home, and he's very mean to me. And the pastor, thinking about that scripture, says, have you thought of heaping coals of fire upon his head? And she says, no, but I have tried scalding hot water. <laughs> but I will try the other. No, he says, no, 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 I don't think you understand. Don't you love the Lord this morning? Isn't God good? Would you stand with me and let's just lift our hands and worship God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you, God, for this great audience. Bless our morning service. Bless our speaker this morning. We give you the praise and glory for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.